Welcome to the Chemistry Factor Podcast, dedicated to help you consciously inspire your actions in business, no matter what circumstances you're facing, transforming your stress into empowering success. I'm Coach Barney, founder of the Chemistry Factor. For over 25 years, I've worked with hundreds of successful business leaders who have all experienced how poor working relationships and unexpected business setbacks cause the anxiety and stress that weakens your productivity, innovation, and leadership skills. You do not choose to be stressed. It is a reaction, not a decision, that drains your energy, making work hard and less fulfilling. Together, we will discover how to empower your attitude to achieve the greater success and satisfaction you've always wanted in your business, career, and life. My guest today is Vincent Mara, Vice President, Financial Planning and Analysis Director at Mullen Low US and Media Hub Worldwide, part of the Interpublic Group of Companies, IPG. An expert in using technology to improve operational communications, Vincent makes complicated media and advertising transactions more efficient, creating less overwork that results in better staff life balance, and retention. Welcome to the show, Vincent. Morning, Barney. How are you, man? Pretty good, yourself? Oh, I'm having fun. (laughs) You've been around the agency world for 15 years. And in that time, the amount of data and analysis has grown tremendously, especially in media. How has that affected your role in finance and operations? I think it's affected basically every aspect of finance and operations. I mean, when I started my first agency, I was with what what was media. Media was national broadcasting, you know, out of home print. It was fairly simple. It was something that a finance person could do as part of their job as opposed to an entire job. And what's happened over the last 15 years, I mean, even if you just look at the past six years, the types of media have exploded. Even your out-of-home stuff, which used to be simple, now those are those are billboards. You buy those programmatically. So the, the landscape is just going to keep growing. It's probably going to grow. I mean, 15 years from now, we can't even imagine what they'll have. I mean, the metaverse that's happening right now, I'm sure we'll be putting a bunch more ads in the metaverse. and Everything is just going to keep growing. So the data has really impacted the finances because... At the end of the day, we can't keep track of all that stuff with the same one person in each office that we used to have. And what we're seeing in Media Hub, I think they're using best practices and they have an entire dedicated team just to finance media. And those people just live in those systems all day and they work with the media teams. And it's super important that they're as connected as they are because it's so much more complex than it was. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's crazy. I mean, you, you start, I'll go back to my days. There were like uh, 13 channels or something like that. <laughs> and that was, that was advertising. And now, mm-hmm. holy mackerel. I mean, every time you move, you, you turn your head, there's something that, you know, has an advertising pitch on it. And it's, what would you say, millions of, of, of places you can put your ads at this point? I mean, video games are, you know, and that was one of those things that we saw coming years ago. And there was an agency that I was involved with that was trying to, do that, but it just it wasn't there yet. And now 
you know, these kids play roadblocks for hours a day. This is, I mean, they're in the, they're in the metaverse already. The advertisers know that, and they're starting to put the money into these type of video games and getting the kids young enough. It's pretty, pretty amazing, like how broad this thing is going to get, you know, Battlefront, Call of Duty, all of these video games are then sponsored. They have professional teams. So there's, there's sponsorship money going to video game players now from advertisers. Like when I was a little kid, I would never thought playing a video game could make me money. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't a media channel. Uh, no, it, it was a dime for me, <laughs> 25 cents. Then you put it in, you play. Uh, yeah. Then it went up to 50, a buck. Now it's, hey, now you just pay for the game and you can mm-hmm. be with people all over the world. It's kind of amazing when you stop to think about it. How does your work affect different departments in an agency versus media? And what would you call the similarities in those areas? So, I mean, I think media and creative, they're, we're both, they're both idea places, right? I mean, you as an advertising agency, whether you're creative or media, you're, you're selling ideas, right? I mean, we have, what's our inventory? It's the people. There is no, if you look at the assets for those companies, it's the people. So the similarities are, People are coming to, average brands are coming to us. They're saying, what can you do for us? We need ideas. Then it starts to diverge, obviously, right? So with media, you're seeing, you know, those, those people really have to tie into numbers. It's all about the numbers. It's how many impressions did something get? Um, how can we drive sales? During the pandemic, at the beginning of it, it was Omnicom shifted a bunch of their stuff to a performance-based incentive. So basically, if we don't give you the impressions, we're going to give you back a lot more money. They put a lot more revenue at risk. A lot of other agencies are doing similar things where they're they're going through this performance-based model because the data is there. They can actually pull it and see. And as long as the client's willing to say, oh, if I'm a theme park, I could let you know how much my, my ticket sales increased. And then the agency can be compensated based on that. So on the media side, that stuff is very... It may not be one for one, but there's enough of a parallel that you could say, oh, we did that. You, Our increased uh, search presence in that market helped drive your sales, and we're going to take a piece of that profit. It makes sense on the media side. On the creative side, it could be the same thing because the brand story is, I think, still super important. And you know, people get behind brand stories, but... It's it's not that one for one thing. I can't say, oh, my commercial was so good. After it ran, you know, everybody went out and bought a, a thing. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't work as much. So when I'm working with the media side, the media people, for the most part, are looking at things through that performance-based lens. They're looking at things based on... How many hits you get. Yeah, I mean, the impressions and... right. And the impressions are so important and, and all that kind of stuff, as opposed to on the creative side where it, it is all about the feelings. It is about, you know, awards for a, a good part. Where do you think the strategy is more, more, more powerful these days? It used to be the agencies drove strategy. They were the str- strategists. And now where they used to be the black sheep of the family, media companies are now the strategic gurus using statistics. So, I mean, that, that, that's a big change in what's been going on out there. It's a giant change. And it's something that you see washing and waning. I mean, the media, 
the channels that they identify for media dictate a lot of what the advertising is going to be. Yeah. And then the creative is, is made. So yeah, to your point, it used to be, we're going to make an awesome commercial and we're going to put it on national TV. And maybe we slice this up into little spots and we throw it on a uh, YouTube or, you know, some type of, you know, when the channels were limited, they figured out how to get the creative into the channels. Now the channels are so vast that you need to design. I mean, there's, there's entire agencies that just do influencer marketing, how to market to the TikTok generation, because it's that specific. You need to then create things that are going to, that are going to make those people go out and spend the money as opposed to just general stuff. They don't want the trailer cut up into, you know, little bites. And so if they did, it has to be very slick. It's general, you know, it's generation to generation. So it's like the difference between, you know, generation Z and millennials and baby boomers and everything in between. Uh, well, these kids are digital natives. I mean, these kids right. are literally born and at two years old, they're given an iPod or iPad and, you know, their, their attention spans are not what it was, you know, put a kid in front of a, a full length three hour movie. It's, it's gotta be pretty good. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. What are some of the technological tools used in what you do, workforce planning? So when we was doing workforce planning, now this is one of those areas where it's it's odd. Like there, we've used, so there's a tool called Workfront, which I thought was uh, a pretty good tool. Workfront is, we in, uh, when I was at uh, Gyro in, um, in New York, I had a really good business transformation lead there. And he and I worked and implemented a, a Workfront instance. And that work for an instance was doing resource management, trafficking. And what we were really striving for it was to start building first party data might not be the right word, but it's almost like first party data. And by that, I mean, we knew we're going to do banner ads, right? Gyro's creative agency. We're going to make banner ads. We made a lot of banner ads. I mean, that's, so you, everybody knew, me who was in charge of the pricing knew a banner ad should cost X amount of dollars. But the more you did, if you can use a tool like Workfront and understand, and everyone records their time correctly, because obviously a challenge a we'll talk about later. <laughs> yeah. So if everybody records their time correctly, though, we should know what a banner ad actually costs us to run, what personnel we need on a banner ad. We are starting to build out what's best practices for banner ad pricing. And then when someone says, oh, I need a banner ad, what Workfront would do is we could actually just say like, okay click on banner ad and it's like, all right, we're going to need this much of a design or this much of X and Y positions. And then you assign those people because everybody, if your data is managed correctly, everybody has a position, like a very simplified position. You pop them in there and now, oh, it's like a Lego piece. So when you look, think of it as a much bigger SOW, I'm going to do X amount of banner ads, some strategy, you know, different levels. Obviously you start building out these blocks using how much it actually takes your agency to do. And now you're driving profitability and you're making sure you get paid for the work that you do. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you don't want to say we always charge $20,000 for a banner ad, right? But if you, if you were to look at banner ads, oh, we're running at $38,000. So you're telling me when we're losing, you know, we're not we're only making 50 cents on a dollar for every banner ad we're doing. You know, it's it's important that we we look into those nooks and figure it out. And then it makes the people's job easy to do pricing because now we know to go to the client with the 38. We know the resources we need. We know to go and hire another designer because clearly this takes 
you know, 50% more design time. So the guy that was on staff doing design, he might be overworked. And you start to gleam those resourcing allocation needs, the more and more you can build up those, those pieces. For the audience, uh, Gyro is a business-to-business organization owned by Dentsu now, right? Gyro, well, they, it's now been folded into Merkle B2B. So Gyro was, oh. I, was uh, I was with Gyro and uh, we started working with them in 2008. They were my only client. By 2010, I was basically full-time. And then uh, we ended up selling in 2016 to mm. Dentsu. Right. Dentsu folded that into, uh, Dentsu then acquired Merkle, which was uh, oh. rather, you know, Think about data, you know, that's big uh, acquisition. Yeah. That's a big acquisition. <laughs> they folded uh, gyro into Merkle. Mm-hmm. How do you keep up with constantly changing technology to upgrade operational efficiency? So at Mullen uh, Low Group, there's a, there's a really strong business transformation team. And I brainstorm with those guys on a constant basis, um, which is great. Uh, having that kind of sounding board and, and trying to figure out stuff. And, and they're always coming to me with new things that they could do. And luckily they have a in-house development too, which means we can actually make tools as opposed to just waiting to find the best tools. Oh, you're in a good spot there. Yeah. That's, that's super important because I don't know if there's any, there's no, the, a comprehensive tool package for, for what we do in the agency world is so hard to find. It, it just doesn't, you know, you got to use APIs from different things and put things together. And having someone in-house to do that and collect the data centrally is so, so helpful. But yeah, so there's a, there's a lot, there's a fair amount of brainstorming that goes on on a normal basis. Um, and, you know, just reading the trades, to be honest, talking to peers. Uh, I keep a pretty good network of other finance, operation folks, uh, account people, creative people. Like I keep a pretty decent advertising network and talking to people on what they're doing. So as the chemistry factor would say, you you nurture your network. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, it's one of the first things that you asked me when we, when we met all those years ago about, you know, what's, you know, what's the most important thing, you know, and, and network is, and uh, it's a lot of people who I consider friends and I had been very fortunate to have strong mentors and good industry relations, which is, you know, super important, I think. It's a two-sided affair. You're giving and you're receiving. And oh, yeah. it's all it's all for the best interests of both parties. And that's great. I'm all for that. What peak accomplishment story in your career would you like to share that gives us clarity and organization that, you know, created clarity and organization that improved your operational efficiencies? Like one that really, wow, I'm really that, I'd like to put put a star on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think you got I almost have to go back to the beginning of my career in advertising. When Gyro got formed, it was uh, from 12 different countries, 17 different offices, and no one was using the same accounting system. <laughs> and uh, I started doing, I, my, my foray, my entry into the world of advertising was doing uh, expense reports for the CEO. Very glamorous. Uh, I was um, doing expense reports. And then they started, do, they started doing, uh, you know, the basic accounting financial statements. So balance sheet, P&L, cash flow. And then they said, hey, can you, can you let us know like, what each office is doing? Because there's all these, and there were different currencies and all this kind of stuff. And after a while, there was a certain point where I was like, it, it, this doesn't make sense. Like the way the information is coming in, it's all, no, one, no one's matching anything, nothing. 
and the reporting is taking forever to get put together. And it just didn't, it didn't sit well with me that it was taking this much effort to do this. And at some, so, but I kept on doing what they told me to do because I was so junior, but in the background, you know, when you're junior, what I would say to people that are, that are more juniors, you have a lot of time. You don't realize you have a lot of time, but you got a lot of time on the side. And I started putting together my own deck. And I came up with a stupid name for it. And one day I was on the phone with the CFO and he's asking me questions and I'm answering them very quickly. I mean, very quickly. And he's like, how are you doing this? Because I had listened to all of his questions to this point because we were, and mind you, this is 2008. So the currencies are going crazy too. And I had, and so he's always asking me like, oh, but what if you fix the currency? What's the result month to month? What's the, and I took all that, all those questions that he had and I built this dashboard on the side for me. And as I'm answering all the questions and he's asking me how I'm doing, I'm like, oh, I built my own dashboard. So like, what did you call it? This crazy name. <laughs> I called it the unit by unit, which is they then, which then became the UBU. So, you know, forever you, there's, this, there's this UBU thing that then ended up becoming the reporting or gyro worldwide. Like that became my little side dashboard. He was like, no, no, this is going to be everybody's reporting from now on. You can make a few little changes here. We're going to clean it up and you're going to, so you can present it. So it looks nicer, but essentially, I mean, I can't even probably a week, two weeks worth of time that went into the previous type of reporting was now just being consolidated, you know, in a number of days, probably three or four days, as opposed to two weeks. And people were getting information in a nice comparative view and in a fairly speed up manner, you know? And that was kind of where, at that point, uh, the CFO was like, okay, you're, you're going to look at other stuff now. <laughs> that kind of set me on the path of go find more efficiencies. Like, this is good. Go, what else could you do? So this was a calling for you. You enjoy doing this. This is like your passion. My brain tends to like to simplify things down to, the, I, I know I'm not the smartest person in the room, but there's a lot of times that I'll be in the room with people way smarter than me. And I might get there faster than they do because I am, I'm so attuned to getting through kind of like the noise and just focusing on the little bits of data that I need to get there. I mean, I might have to take, it might take me a while to explain it to someone that's has like a broader intelligence that's trying to like, but I can get there. Faster. You see your passion right now. I mean, like you talking about this, I'm just listening to your, your you, you love discovery. Maybe you're like yeah. a Columbus or something. <laughs> you're yeah, you're I mean, out there. You're the I Columbus the of, uh, of uh, efficiency. You're looking for new places. I uh, could go to Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> new places never been been seen before or something like that. And it, it, it really lights you up. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Many agencies are still driving financial reporting with Excel spreadsheets <laughs> that take up a great deal of labor hours that overwhelm mm -hmm. staff. How does that affect staff success and satisfaction? Yeah, I mean, as a manager, it's one of those things that for me personally, when I give one of my analysts something like that, I almost feel bad. It's like, okay, but I always, it, it also drives me to then figure out a better way. How does it affect yeah. retention? I mean, if you're just giving people tedious stuff all day. Yeah. It's going to affect retention. because I mean, how much do they want to spend hours pouring through data in an Excel file if there was a, if they didn't have to. But I, I think what happens is, you know, 
a lot of times people have been doing something a certain way for a really long time, right? This is the Excel file. We've had this Excel file forever. I mean, I've opened up Excel files at previous agencies. I'm like, this Excel file, like if you hit the properties in it, was made like 10 years ago. <laughs> like you guys even have to, in all honesty, you have to take this Excel file, put it in another file, like take all the components out, put it in another file because you're going to break, this is going to break eventually. There's like a formatting limit. Do you realize how many financial people are listening to this and say, oh, I get what you're talking about? <laughs> well, because that's the, I mean, we all have it. And you know what? At the end of the day, I'm in Excel every single day because I'm still going to figure out my, my, my brain is going to work in Excel to figure things out, but I'm pulling out of systems and I'm, you know, I'm using dashboards and all that stuff. But at the same time, my brain is just, I've been doing it for 15 years. What so types it's, it's of systems? I mean, you're in, you're pulling the system. What types of systems that are designed for the agency world will make work less tedious and more satisfying? So here's the thing. First, it's processes. I think that's the most important thing. I think you have to look at your processes and then adapt to the system or adapt, get the systems that are going to help your processes. In terms of systems for agency world, what I have found is that you really got to look. I mean, I had a previous agency had a, me come in and they were going to revolutionize our timekeeping operations. Okay. And the more we talk to them, you know, some of the stuff they had was really cool. And, you know, time is so important. I mean, especially one of the big things that you've, you've seen go that way too much, but one of the big things you've seen in media is when I started media was like, oh, you ran an ad. Here's your commission check. Right. Oh, you placed them at a home. Here's your commission check. These larger clients now they're like, uh, no, we want the hours just like on the creative side. We want to, you know, they're going through, all of the procurement, uh, the consultancies, they're bringing in these people and they're like, no, you're going to give us hourly rates for each position. We're going to, we're going to audit the hours at the end of every quarter or every year. So it's just as much important time on the media side. So just to make sure that, you know, just to dispel any kind of media is easier and you don't have to deal with time. How does improving financial technology help improve agency client relationships? So the agency client relationship the clients want to know, especially on the media side, with that whole media finance team, those clients want to know when their when their media spend gets reconciled as quickly as possible, because that's real money. And the pain points that can occur when those type of things aren't done timely are pretty dramatic because it is real money. And the amount of money that these people are spending a lot of times is you have a, a decent sized media clients, hundred, you know, you, you have a hundred million dollars of their money that you have agency over. They want to know right away if something didn't get spent and they're getting refunds or they could reallocate the money certain different places. So I think it's super important that we, those technologies, as they have, they develop, as they're developing over these years, they allow us to communicate with the client so much faster. Do you see blockchain as something that's going to be incorporated within the financial world as well? So you hope so. Um, I hope so. I ha I've spent a lot of time looking at blockchain stuff, but not for agency. I haven't seen any, going back to the agency technology thing, the, the, it's so few systems designed for agency. When you're looking for a system, I, I kind of tend to go to their website and see who else they're working with. Have they worked with WPP? Have they worked with IPG? Who, who have they worked with that has a good financial reputation in the industry world that I could say, okay, they understand industry. I don't know. I mean, if, if there's going to be blockchain, we might have to build it ourselves in the industry, in the mm -hmm. advertising industry, to be honest.
Understand. Yeah, it makes sense. Name one thing in your work or life that you want to achieve that is a challenge for you to attain right now. Honestly, this was a, uh, I was thinking about this. It's, I'm very good at getting things done at work. I'm very good at planning things. I'm very good at executing things. In my personal life, I am horrible at that. I can plan and, and plan and just, I have a pretty good work-life balance, but the ability to execute in my personal life is, is not the same as my professional life. That's a pretty general dis, you know, description. So from planning in your personal life, Name one thing that would light you up. If you, oh, if I, 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 I'm going to build a gym right there. I'm going to build a gym right there for two years. You know, like uh, when am I? I just, you just got to, I got to just commit. I mean, I built this side, right? So I built one half of the basement, got to build the other half, but it's just like, and when I do it, it's fulfilling and satisfying to do. Yes. But actually carving out the time to do it, and, and like I would for work, it just doesn't happen. So imagine that peak moment we spoke about earlier in this conversation, mm-hmm. you know, what, when you were just buzzing around at gyro, you know, making efficiencies, that was mm-hmm. just a passion for you. It was such a joy. Put that in your personal life, you know, empower that story. What, what does that story make you feel when you're, when you're really embracing it? Mm-hmm. Close your eyes for a second. Imagine gyro you know, wow, the efficiencies, the, the guy, oh, we're going to do it in all different departments now. How you felt, you know, what, what, what are your, how are you breathing when you think about that? What's your, are you smiling a little or is it, you know, mm-hmm. bring that instance to putting the gym in. What's possible? I mean, what is your wife like saying, gee, it would be nice to have a gym or. No, no, this, this is me. That's going to be, that's going to be. Well, my maybe that, that's thing. interesting. Yeah. So what you're saying is you're really good at taking care of everybody else, but when it comes to taking care of you, you're not giving yourself the space. Yeah, I guess, you know, and, you know, as you know, I have two small children. So it's like how much time, you know, you got to dedicate time to them. Well, what about, what about having that gym? Okay. In the basement and having a few things that they could play with. Oh, and that's what my daughter, my daughter does gymnastics. She's super excited for this. Oh my goodness. Now, now what shows up when you're thinking about making it for your daughter instead of yourself? Like a bonding thing. Yeah, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. It really is. Take a picture on the other side of your basement of your daughter doing gymnastics and think about getting this done now because she's getting better every day. It's you're, you're really supporting her. I think you'll find that it's going to be a lot easier for you to get it done. What do you think? Yeah. 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 Okay. A little chemistry factor. I had to throw it in this conversation. You are combining technology with finance and accounting to achieve greater insight for financial planning and analysis. How does more sophisticated dashboard development create smoother intercompany communications between departments? Yeah. So this is something I've seen a lot um, come to fruition. And it's, this is very, it's very rewarding when it does. We talk to people all the time, and especially in the creative space and in the media space, too, to be honest, we're dealing with idea people. They're visual, right? Some people you could give a spreadsheet to, and you're like, here's what happened. Here's how you performed client profitability, all this kind of stuff. But it's black and white on a spreadsheet, and you know they, they, maybe they read it. Maybe they take some headlines away. The dashboarding and giving some, them something visual that mixes the visual and the numbers. You don't want it to be all like, here's some pie charts, right? Obviously. 
you want it to be compelling and, and meaningful. It does help significantly the communication because na- next thing you know, now you're, we have a, an over under report at a previous agency. And essentially it was like, how much over or under are you spending on the client versus what they're paying you? And we, we put that, that report out for however, much, however long. But when we simplified it into a dashboard, we just said you're making X percent on the dollar, X pennies on the dollar that you're putting into the client. All of a sudden, everybody just jumped up and was like, oh, it's, and it, it's the same information. You're just presenting it in a neater package. You're using some, some slight visualizations and the wording is different. And they're, oh, wow, that's, are we really doing that? How can we fix that? Let's look a little deeper and and then being able to give them the further answers and, you know, proactively having those conversations based on the, the dashboard that's going to come out before they talk to their boss, who's usually like the CEO. Everybody's super appreciative of those things. Well, I think great. people like the data. People like having the data and it's just managing what data you give them at that point. Because you don't want to overwhelm them either because they have their jobs to do. You know, they got to make the money. Well, as you said, too, you know, the younger generations are much more, you know, visual then, you know, if you're just plopping a piece of paper on their desk saying this is what your numbers are, you know, seeing it on a screen makes it easier for them to absorb. And it's been, it's, the tools are better now. Like, you, you know, we have the visualization from like Power BI even is, is pretty good. You can do some, some cool stuff from that. When I started, I had a CEO at one point in time. It was like, I need you to make infographics. And I'm like, we need a designer to do that. Like, but now the, the finance tools are getting to the point where we can do some decent looking things to make, you know, the more visual people happy as well. What are the challenges you face as change is not always easy to accomplish? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, adoption is the most important. You want to make things, you want to break it down into chunks as much as you can, because obviously some things you can't, can't break down. You need to just kind of rip the mandate off, but for the most part, uh, I try to break things into like adoptable pieces. I try to have as many pre-conversations as possible. I try to bring people in. You can't bring them in too early because obviously you need to have your own well thought out you know, point of view before you start going down a route to change. Because there's a, there's a reason for change. I've looked at something. My point of view is this needs to change and we can change. Because obviously there's a lot of stuff you might want to change. But if you don't have a plan, there's no reason to tell anybody, hey, we need to change that's just wasting everybody's time. So there's so, some patience going on here and step-by-step step process. Yeah, there, that's a yeah, good value. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to have patience because you can't just tell someone, oh, you've been doing it this way for X amount of years. We're going to change that tomorrow. <laughs> and you got to think of the, the bigger population. So in, in my world, a lot of times with the time tracking and, when, and that kind of element, you're, you're dealing with the entire agency. So if you were to just up and change the entire user experience for time tracking, you know, you could get 2000 people that are like, Hey, what happened? You got to think about the, the, the stakeholders in, in different groups of stakeholders that you get um, and make sure that you can bring them in and you show them there is a carrot, you know, this is going to make your life better at the end of this change. You're going to be happy and, and your life is going to be easier and we're going to help alleviate some workload. That's great. Um, I think that's, that's important. To that's a great help. approach get people to buy into the change. Because if they don't adopt it. What departments are more challenging to change? And how do you overcome those challenges? Well, the carrots won. <laughs> the cat, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, so for the most part, I've probably, and it's just, it's not so much the most difficult, but 
it's where things interact, right? So for me, it's always with, we have HR partners and those HR partners have systems and we share data, right? So people data is super important to me and it's super important to them. And that's where you kind of have to say, all right, how are we going to make this work between the two of us? But again, that's just another, it's another opportunity to collaborate and figure out how to get to the right place for everybody. And it, and once again, it is that, okay, you know, I've had great friends in HR that were like, we're going to use a certain system for everything and you should use that system too. And you just have to have the time to sit down with everybody and be like, okay, let's go through all of the pros and cons for these systems. Let's talk about if we can actually do this or not and move forward. You just got to listen to people and be respectful. Listening and respect. That's cool. What words of wisdom can you share that makes your work easier to achieve? I am a big fan of compartmentalizing my, my workload. I think, especially when you're dealing with the agency world is so fast, there's a million different things happening. And if you try to take that all in at once, you just, it's, it never works. I have a to-do list. I have, I've had a to-do list for 15 years. I need it. It keeps me grounded in, and, and oriented in the goal of getting things done. I have a whole little code system that I put little marks next to my to-do list. So I know kind of, where it is, if it's on me, if it's on somebody else to get it, to get the, the next step going. I, Do you put it in your calendar? No, I just have a piece. I've had pieces of paper. I, I can't tell you the amount of little notebooks I've had. Yeah. And I, and I take a lot of notes too. Like I, I have a little, little notepad then too. And I'm just, I constantly scribble and date and anoint everything. Cause I want to I want to look back and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. We did talk about this and this is how I'm going to move this forward. Or, you know, someone might just say something in a conversation. I'm like, why aren't we doing that? It's not for something for today, but that goes on the, the tomorrow list. You know, that goes on. It happens a lot. So it's been a pleasure having you here. And I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Not now, but maybe later. When we finish this, I'm going to ask you to put your gym on a to-do list. <laughs> Put it on the same to-do list as your work, because I don't think there's a big difference between work and life. I think they're one and the same. And when you start merging them into each other, they actually are easier to accomplish. And when you do that, get a big picture of your daughter and place it on the wall where you want to put the gym. So every time you look at it, it inspires you to want to do it. <laughs> That, that's just a little, you know, a little advice. If, if you feel comfortable with it, do it. If you don't, that's okay too. And it's been a pleasure having you here. I want to thank you for your time. Yeah. I will speak to you in the near future, but you have a wonderful day. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to add at this point? Um, All right. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and recommend The Chemistry Factor to your friends. If you would like to connect with me on social media, reach out to Barney Feinberg on LinkedIn. To connect with me directly, email barney at thechemistryfactor.com. Until next time, empower your business success every day.